So tonight we start our 2023 week of prayer. And the elders are calling us to this week set aside time, carve out time to pray more on your own individually and to pray in small groups. All of our home groups, all of our DNA groups are turning into prayer meetings. So go to yours and visit other ones if you want. That's our plan. And so what I want to do is raise three questions this afternoon and seek to answer them. First question, what does Jesus promise about prayer? Second question, how can our prayer become more effective? And third question, what might God do through our prayer this week? So first question, what does Jesus promise about prayer? And the answer to that is the passage that Samantha just read to us, Matthew chapter 7, 7 through 11, where Jesus gives us a powerful promise about prayer. Now let's start by noticing what Jesus calls us to do. It's obvious, verse 7, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. So three commands, ask, seek, and knock. Those are all three different ways of describing prayer. This is what Jesus is calling us to do, pray. Prayer involves asking. We come before the Father and we ask him in Jesus' name, would you help us with this? Would you do this? Would you pour out your power here? We come asking. Prayer involves seeking. There's something that we long for and we're seeking this from the Father. Father, do this for us. We're seeking you for this. So it's asking, it's seeking, and it's knocking, which is from Luke chapter 11, the parable that Jesus tells here, where someone has a need and goes to this person's house and is knocking on the door at midnight saying, I need help. And the promise is knock and it will be opened to you. So prayer involves asking, it can involve seeking, it can involve knocking, three different ways of describing what prayer is. And that's what Jesus is calling us to do in this prayer. So let that sink in. Jesus is calling you. He's calling me. He's saying, ask, seek, knock. That's what he's calling us to. Now, at this point, we need to raise a critical question, which is foundational for the whole thing. This question, your answer to this question will either make or break your prayer life. And the question is this, in light of our sin, We've all sinned against God. We've turned our backs on him. We've dishonored him in, in, in too many different ways. In light of our sin, how can God, why would God pay any attention to our prayers? That is the foundational question we have to have settled here. And many people think the answer is, well, if we've sinned against God and he's just, he's not going to respond to our prayers, we need to do some good things to make up for the wrong things we've done. We need to do good things to kind of win over his favor. Maybe if, if I do enough good things, then he'll respond favorably to my prayer. And so we think, okay, well, I'll go to church. That, that for sure, then he'll answer my prayers, right? Or, or I'm gonna be nice to the checker at Lulu's, especially this afternoon. Or I'm gonna maybe carry somebody's groceries out to the parking lot or whatever it might be. We think I'm gonna do some good thing that will make God respond favorably to my prayers. But I want to tell you, that is not what Jesus taught. That is man-made religion talking. That's not your Jesus talking. It's not what he says at all. We can never do anything 
to make up before God, make up for our sin. We can't do anything. We are lost in ourselves. There's nothing that we in ourselves can do to make up for what we've done. But here's the good news. It's like we sang tonight. God has made a way. God the Father has made a way for you to have all of your sins, all of them, all your past sins, all your present sins, all your future sins, all of them forgiven. And he did that by sending his son, Jesus. Jesus Christ, fully God. Remember, there's one God, we're not talking three gods, one God in three persons. Jesus Christ has always been fully God, along with God the Father and God the Spirit. One God, three persons, and God the Father sent Jesus, fully God. He became fully man, both fully God and fully man. And he went to the cross and he died. And as he died on the cross, he was being punished for all the sins of everyone who will turn to Jesus and trust him. So here's what this means. When you own up to the fact that there is a God and I've sinned against him and he sent Jesus so I could be forgiven and you own up to the truth of that and you put your trust in Jesus, you turn to Jesus Christ and you put your trust in him, at that moment, everything changes for you. Completely forgiven. All your sins. You will never face judgment from God. And from that moment on, God loves you. He loves you. He cares for you. He delights in you. He's forgiven you. He's adopted you into his family. You are his adopted son. You're his adopted daughter. And every time you turn to him and pray, he smiles. Yes, my son. Yes, my daughter. Yes, what do you need? Ask me. Seek from me. Knock at the door. I'll open the door every time. That's why God answers us. If you've been trying to have God answer you by trying to be good enough, that's the completely wrong direction, and it will never happen. God has made a way for you to be forgiven so that whenever you pray, he's moving towards you saying, yes, put your trust in Jesus like Anish urged us to earlier as we were worshiping. God now loves responding to your prayer because you're trusting Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus commands us, ask, seek, knock. So God wants, he wants us to do that. So that's what he's calling us to do. It's what Jesus calls us to do. But now he also tells us why we should pray in this passage. Why? He's already hinted at it in verse seven. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find, knock, and the door shall be opened. Look at how he puts it in verse 8 even more strongly. For everyone who asks, receives. How, how many? You got it. Everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And this is unbelievable. Everyone who asks in Jesus' name, trusting Jesus, his goodness, his righteousness, his death paying for my sin, everyone who prays with that trust in Jesus, everyone who asks, receives. So think about this. Because you're trusting Jesus this afternoon, all 
your asking will bring receiving. All your seeking will bring finding. All your knocking will bring opening. The door will open. Let me put it this way. Never will you ask without receiving. Never will you seek without finding. Never will you knock and the door stays closed. Never will you knock without the door opening. Everyone who asks receives. Now, if we're honest, that should raise a question, probably in all of our minds. Very important question. What about those times where God does not give us what we are asking for? We've all had those times. What about those times? We've experienced that, and it's, it's hard. It can be devastating. And the Bible tells us that there are times when that happens. Let me just share three examples. Psalm 13. Psalm 13. David has been praying that God would revive his soul, strengthen his faith, show me your glory, come. And, and in Psalm 13, he says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? So David's been asking for God to do that, and God has, has not answered him. That happens. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and 3. Paul has been praying that God would open the door for him to return to the believers in Thessalonica to encourage them and to care for them and to, to build them up. But God has not opened the door. Read 1 Thessalonians 2 and 3. And the most famous example of this is Paul's thorn in the flesh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, which I would encourage you to study and to ponder. Paul says he prays he has prayed earnestly. He uses a very strong word for prayer there in the Greek. He earnestly, Paul has prayed three times that God would remove this thorn in the flesh. We aren't sure what it was, but we do know from the way Paul describes it that it was a horrible affliction that Paul was facing. Paul prayed three times. But Jesus tells him, as he's praying, Jesus tells him that Jesus is not going to remove it. I'm not going to remove it, Paul. But instead, instead, Paul, through this affliction, as you press in to me, as you press into knowing me, knowing the Father, as you, as you press in, I'm going to give you an even greater experience of my grace, an even greater experience of my strength, an even greater experience of my glory. But Jesus does not remove the thorn, although Paul has asked three times. So there are times that we pray persistently with strong faith and God does not give us what we ask for. So what does Jesus mean then when he says, everyone who asks receives? Jesus as God speaks perfect truth. And he says that everyone who asks receives, which means that everyone who asks receives. What does he mean? I think he gives us a, a clue in the next verses, next two verses. 
9 and 10. Start with verse 8, though, to get the flow of thought. And look at what Jesus says here. Verse 8, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? So picture this. If your child is hungry, asks you for bread, are you going to give him a stone? Absolutely not. It's not a chance. Or if your child who's hungry asks you for fish, will you give him a serpent? It's impossible. We all feel that, right, parents? No way. And Jesus' point is that if you ask God for bread, he will never give you a stone. Never. If you ask God for fish, he will never give you a serpent. In other words, his point is, God will never give you something worse than what you've asked for. He will never give you something worse. You ask him for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. He will never give you worse than what you've asked for. Never. And look at how powerfully Jesus summarizes that in verse 11. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? We parents love to give good things to our children, don't we? And how much more does God, our Heavenly Father, love to give good things to us? Okay, so how do we put these three truths together? So we got to wrestle with. And I want you to think deeply about this so that you will grow an understanding prayer. This has so strengthened my motivation for prayer and my confidence in prayer, my understanding of prayer. I hope this will be helpful for you. Three truths we have to put together. One truth. Jesus says, everyone who asks receives. Everyone. It's the first truth. Second truth. We will never receive something worse than what we've asked for. It's the second truth. And then the reality, third truth, there are times when we don't receive what we asked for. Let me just repeat those three truths. Are you wrestling? Hmm. Got to think about these things. First truth. Everyone who asks receives. Second truth. We will never receive something worse what we asked for, and then the reality, there are times when we don't receive what we asked for. How do we put those three together? Here's what I would propose, and I would encourage you to think about this. You keep studying the scriptures on this. See if this makes sense to you biblically. I think it works like this. Whenever we pray, whenever we pray, God will never, ever give us something worse than we asked for. It's beautiful. He will always give us either exactly what we asked for or something even better. Always either exactly what we asked for or something even better. Now you might think, what do you mean better? I didn't get the job. How did what he give me was better? My husband was not healed and he died. How can that be better? It's a very important question to ask. 
How better? What do you mean better? Remember, he, if you ask him for bread, he will never give you a stone, ever. If you ask him for fish, he will never give you a serpent, ever. So how can it be better? We don't know all the ways it can be better. God's always working in thousands and thousands of ways, but there's one that the Bible emphasizes that we should emphasize as well because it's the most important way it's better. It's taught in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 30. One way what God gives us is always, that's always better. The main way that what God gives us is always better. As we press into him, as we press in, seeking his face, trusting him, whatever he gives us will always bring us even more of God's presence, even more of God's nearness, even more beholding of God's glory than what we were asking for. If he doesn't give us what we were asking for, then as we press in, as we seek his face, as we pray, he will always, through that, give us even more of his presence, more of his nearness, more of his glory than what we were asking for. So much so that when you're finally standing before him, seeing him face to face, as you look back on the, on the panorama of your life and all that took place, especially that one heartbreak where you did not get what you were asking for, and you see how he met you in that and, and, and all the ways he was working, you will at that moment fall at his feet and thank him for what he did give you. Oh, we have to battle now to, to feel that. But you've tasted this, haven't you? When God brings his nearness to you, when Jesus shows you his glory more powerfully, when there's a greater sense of his presence, that's everything. He's worth everything. And when you have that taste of what the Lord can do, you know, if, if that's what God will do through giving me something better that doesn't seem better to me, but if that's what God will do through giving me something better, then it will be better to meet the Lord in those ways, to have that closeness with the Lord, that nearness with the Lord. That's what everything is about. And that will sustain you through very hard times, very deep waters, which we can experience when we ask God for things and don't receive them. So let me say it again. Here's, here's how it works. You've prayed for something, like Paul's thorn in the flesh, this is exactly what Paul experienced. God, remove this from me. This is horrible. This is awful. Remove this from me. Three separate seasons of earnest prayer. And Jesus comes to him and says, as you press in, as you seek my face, as you fight to trust me, with this thorn in the flesh remaining, in, in that situation, I'm going to give you more of my grace, so much more of my strength, so much more of my glory, that you will thank me. And Paul says, I celebrate then. I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, calamities. Because when I'm, when I'm weak in myself, God's beautiful, Jesus' beautiful strength comes upon me and fills me and satisfies me and upholds me. The nearness of God is your good. And that's at the heart of everything that God does in terms of bringing you something that's even better. So every time we pray, every time you pray, every time we pray in Jesus' name, he will always either give you exactly what you're asking for or 
something even better, which is better because through that, as you're pressing into him, as you're seeking his face, he's going to give you even more of his grace, more of his strength, more of his nearness, more of, your, more of his glory. And you will end up thanking him and praising him for that gift. So I want you to see prayer is, is, is a win or a win. I mean, right? Either you're going to get exactly what you're asking for or something even better, which you probably wouldn't have gotten had you not asked. So the only way to lose is by not asking, right? Because everyone who asks receives. All you're asking this coming week, every single bit of your asking is going to be answered either exactly what you're asking for or something even better. Every single one. No prayer is ever wasted. Not one. Not one. Prayer will always either bring you great good or even more great good. That's what our Father does. So let that encourage you with what Jesus promises about prayer. Now, second question, how can we pray more effectively? I just want to give you some specific suggestions. We're all different places in terms of how, how much we know about prayer, how, how long we've been praying. Some of you are brand new, some of you are veterans, should be up here talking. Let me give you some suggestions about when we pray individually, how to be more effective, when we pray in groups, how to be more effective, and when we pray with fasting, how to be more effective. So, as you pray individually, here are some suggestions. I find it helpful to use the acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S. A stands for adoration. I think it's helpful to start with adoration, just to worship. Worship God the Father, worship God the Son, worship God the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons, praise, adore, love, worship. God, I love you. I praise you. You're my portion. You're my inheritance. You're my joy. Just worship and praise. Our hearts need that. Our hearts become alive when we worship the living God. And then C stands for confession. Confess your sins before the Lord. Ask him to show you sins that you maybe aren't seeing. Ask him to, con to confess. Ask him to forgive you and, and to convict you. T for thanksgiving, thanking God. Thank God for all the circumstances, all the amazing ways he's blessed you. Just thank him. There's, we all have hundreds of things we could be thanking the Lord for. Give a chunk of time to thanking him. If you can't think of anything, you especially need to spend some time on T, okay, for thanksgiving. S stands for supplication. It's kind of a fancy word for asking, okay? Uh, Bring your requests before God. Bring all your needs before God, your longings, your prayers. This week we're going to be praying for individual needs like Aaron mentioned, which for people are submitting. We're going to labor and pray over those individual people's individual needs. We're going to be praying for God to pour out his Holy Spirit upon Grace Church and the different ministries that are going on here. And we're going to pray for this city and this country. Mm. So ask, A-C-T-S. Next, don't wait to pray until you feel closer to God. It's like, oh, I'm feeling so far from God now. This is going to be a total waste of time. No, 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 no. That's like, don't take the medicine until you're feeling better. No, prayer is the medicine, right? God promises, draw near to God, or James promises, draw near to God. He will draw near to you. We've all experienced this. He will meet us in exactly the way and the time that we most need then. But he will as we draw near to him. So don't wait to start to feel spiritual or just say, God, I'm not feeling at all spiritual right now, but would you come and help me? 
Oh, man, he's, he's running towards you when that, with that prayer. He's coming. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Next, try praying with different postures to express what's in your heart. The Bible describes these. Maybe bow down before the Lord as you're worshiping. Powerful. Just the sense of the awesomeness of God. Lifting your hands as you ask, Father, please pour out your spirit upon my daughter, my friend, whoever it might be. Kneeling in confession of sin. Kneeling can be powerful. So try different postures. Use scripture to help you pray. If you Google Grace Church Abu Dhabi Prayer Week 2023, it'll come right to the page where we have, we give you scriptures that we have found very helpful to help us pray. I mean, you go on the website and hunt around, you'll find it, but that's how I do it anyway. Um, use scripture to help you pray. To pray the scriptures focuses us, strengthens us, encourages us. It's powerful. Next, persevere in prayer. Keep praying for the same request. Pray about it again. Paul prayed three times for his thorn in the flesh. God loves persevering prayer. Persevering prayer doesn't mean that you don't believe. It means that you're earnest. You're longing for God to do this. So persevere. And then try praying in different settings. Okay, sit at your desk. Okay, uh, kneel down by your bed. Pray. Walk around in your house or outside. We've got great weather now to walk around and pray. So try different settings. So those are just some suggestions for how to pray individually. Now here's some suggestions for when we pray with others. DNA groups, home groups, next Friday afternoon as we're praying and fasting together. Let me encourage you to pray loudly and slowly so that everybody can hear. Because again, the reason we pray together is so that we can all be listening to that person praying and saying, yes, Lord. Yes, do that. Oh, yes. We're all together united in prayer. It's powerful. The Lord loves that. Pray in simple language from the heart. Don't try to think of some flowery way to say it. Ah, we're not about that at all. Just, God, save people in Jesus' name. Oh, beautiful, eloquent, powerful prayer, right? So just, let's just be free from trying to, no one's trying to be flowery around here. If you are, stop, okay? No more flowery stuff. Um, pray short prayers and pray more than once. This will give others a chance to, to join in. You don't feel like you need to pray for all the requests that are in, in front of you. No, pray for one and then stop. And then somebody else can jump in and get the benefit and the blessing. And you, you can maybe pray for one later on. It works out just great. Don't stop when everybody has prayed once. Remember, let's persevere in prayer. Let's, let's pray for all the requests again. Just keep praying, keep praying, keep praying until our time's up. Ask for and expect the Holy Spirit to meet you as you pray. Ephesians chapter 6 talks about praying in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come and guide us with how to pray, what to pray for, and sometimes give us faith that he's going to do what we've been praying for. Holy Spirit will come and work. And, and as we're praying, if the Holy Spirit gives you a spiritual gift, share it with the group right there in, in your DNA or your home group or next Friday afternoon. Go ahead and do that. And then give space for others to pray. And if you've prayed a few times, there's some others in the group that haven't prayed yet, just, just pause for you know, a minute and give somebody else a chance to jump in. Not everybody's quite as bold as, as others. Some suggestions for praying with others. And then here's some suggestions for fasting and praying. Check with your doctor before fasting. If, you, if, if your health isn't good, 
If your health isn't good, check with your doctor. That's just wisdom. And then make sure you understand fasting. Fasting means abstaining from food for the purpose of prayer. So it's very simple. Stop eating food, drink lots of water, okay, and pray. That's fasting. That's prayer and fasting, all right? That's, the, that's what we do. And then keep in mind, again, fasting does not earn anything from God. It doesn't earn anything from God. Because of our remaining sin, the only way God can welcome any of our prayers is because of what Jesus did. And because of what Jesus did, he welcomes all of our prayers who are trusting Christ. So get out of your mind any thought that this is, this is really looking good now before God, this fasting thing. I mean, he's really going to listen to me now. That will jeopardize, short circuit the whole thing. So can we all is it, just, just wipe that out of our minds? Is it all gone? Okay. It's all gone. All right, good. We all can deal with that sometimes. Fast to express to God how urgently you long for him to work. That's, that's why we fast. We want to express to God, I, I'm this hungry for you. I want you more than food. I want, I want you to pour out your spirit upon Abu Dhabi more than I want food right now. So we don't fast to like alter our state of consciousness or to reach some kind of a, of a mystical state. We don't fast because food is sinful. Okay, we, we fast because it helps us to feel and to express how desperately we long for him to come and work. It's a beautiful gift, fasting. So there's some suggestions. Hope those are helpful. Now, last question. What might God do through our prayer this week? There's lots of possibilities. I'm sure there's dozens, hundreds of things he's going to do. Let me focus on just one. God, in his mercy, this week, <clears throat> could respond to our prayers by bringing a mighty outpouring of his Holy Spirit upon us as a church, upon Abu Dhabi, the city, and upon the UAE, the United Arab Emirates as a country. Throughout church history, if you study church history, there have been times when God has poured out his spirit in an unusual powerful way, reviving churchgoers, convicting of sin, bringing people to their knees. Oh God, I thought it was, I thought it was safe. They're just going through the motions. Forgive me. Um, reviving fresh life, fresh faith, fresh joy for believers. Uh, reviving churches, filling churches, um, saving dozens, saving hundreds, saving thousands. God has done this throughout church history. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2. It's what happened um, in Samaria, Acts chapter 8. It's what happened with lots of Gentiles, remember Cornelius' household, Acts chapter 10. John the Baptist's disciples, Acts chapter 19. In Europe, in the 1500s, 1600s. In England and the U.S., the Great Awakening, John Wesley, George Whitfield. Thank you, UK, for sharing them with us. I'm an American, okay? That's 1700s. Wales in the 1860s, a remarkable outpouring of God's spirit. India, 1905, incredible. 
powerful outpouring. China, 1970s, 1980s, and that's just a scratching the surface. There's many, many times throughout church history where God has poured out his spirit in a powerful, unusual way upon a church, upon a city, upon a country. And scholars who study these, what they call revivals, that's what real revivals are, that's what they are. Scholars who study these have noticed how they start with believers coming together to pray. Here's what J. Edwin Orr said. He was a scholar of revivals. Here's what he said. No great spiritual awakening has begun anywhere in the world apart from united prayer, Christians persistently praying for revival. Let me give you one example. The Hebrides Islands, northwest coast of Scotland, some islands that are off the the coast there. In the 1940s, these islands were full of people who were just cold towards the gospel, steeped in unbelief, whose hearts were just rock hard against Jesus Christ. And the few believers that were there were struggling and discouraged, and it was a very difficult time. Two sisters. I love this. One, 82 years old and blind. Her older sister, 84 years old, crippled with arthritis. They started praying and asking God to pour out his spirit upon the Hebrides Islands, their island and the other islands. They prayed for months. They named unbelievers by name that they knew. And they were claiming the promise of Isaiah chapter 44, verse 3, Isaiah 44, 3, that God would pour his spirit out upon the dry land, pour his blessing out upon the thirsty lands, that God would do that. So they're praying, praying, praying. Meanwhile, cross town, unknown to each other, seven young men start meeting together three nights a week in a barn. And they're committing, according to Isaiah 62, verses 1 through 7, God, we're not going to stop praying until you pour out your spirit here. This place is so dark. This place is so lost. This, you're being dishonored in this, in this area. Pour out your spirit here in a mighty, powerful way. They prayed month after month after month. And one night, as they were praying, God met them. They knew God was there. Surely God is among us. And they had this strong sense from the Holy Spirit that our prayers are going to be answered. God's going to come and God's going to work. Right around that same time period, the the 84-year-old sister had a vision of churches there in the Hebrides Islands filled with people with hundreds coming to faith. And that's what happened. Over the next months, God poured his spirit out upon the Hebrides Islands. Churchgoers who were just cold and lukewarm, convicted of their sin, brought to their knees, God poured his grace out upon them and saved them. Believers who were feeling weak and and discouraged, were enlivened and set on fire, started to read the scriptures afresh, started to pray, started to go out and tell people about Jesus, and dozens were saved, and hundreds were saved, and the churches were filled, and the islands were 
changed. Prayer brought that in. God in his mercy was moved by the prayers of those two sisters and those seven young men and probably others that we don't even know about and did a mighty work upon the Hebrides Islands. So here we are in Abu Dhabi, UAE. This is a spiritually dark place, right? I mean, it is spiritually dark. It's just full of unbelief, people distant from Jesus. And we could easily say, the unbelief is just too much. I mean, my goal is to survive spiritually before I leave. Just survival, good, good enough for me. People are just too hard here. People are just too committed to their, their other convictions. But listen, God never has to wait for people's hearts to become less hard. If God had to wait for people's hearts to soften before he saved them, none of us would be saved. Because we've all had hard hearts, and the reason that they're now soft is because he changed our hearts. God gives repentance. God gives faith. He takes out hearts of stone, gives hearts of flesh, Ezekiel 36. It doesn't make any difference how hard someone's heart is, how distant someone is from God. God can save them. We pray, God, take out hearts of stone in this city. Take out hearts of stone in this country. Open blind eyes to see who you are. Set people free from Satan's blinding power. Grant repentance, pour out faith, save people. So it doesn't make any difference, church, how much unbelief there is in this city. That's never stopped God before, and it will not stop him again as we pray, as we cry out to him. Now, let me give you a scripture that I, I'm taking as a theme for this next week. You can, you can adopt it if you like or consider it. It's how Isaiah prays in Isaiah 64, verses 1 and 2. Look at what he prays. This is so bold and so powerful and so relevant to where we are here in Abu Dhabi in the UAE. Isaiah says this. He's praying, Oh, that you, God, would rend the heavens, tear open the heavens, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down at the mountains, like mountains of unbelief, mountains of lukewarmness, Mountains of different convictions about things, that, that the mountains might quake at your presence. As when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, come down to make your name known to your adversaries and that the nations might tremble at your presence. I would encourage you, let's, let's take that as a prayer that we pray frequently through these next seven days. God, would you tear open the heavens and come down upon Grace Church with more of your presence, more of your spirit power? Would you rend the heavens and come down upon Abu Dhabi? Make your name known here. Make the name of you, Father, the one who sent Jesus, our Savior. Make your name known here for the salvation of lost people. Let there be dozens and hundreds and thousands of people saved in this city. Listen, church, God has done that in times past with places at least as hard as we are here. Pray, pray, pray. Oh, that you'd rend the heavens come down upon the UAE. Make your name known here. So that people have to sit up and say, Something's happening, and they're all talking about Jesus. 
sent by God the Father to be the Savior. They're all talking, because he does come and he makes his name known. Grace Church, what a privilege to be living in a city like this, in a country like this, and to know a God like this. And to know that he's a prayer hearing and prayer answering God and that he does move with power. So let me encourage you. Oh God, would you rend the heavens and come down? Let's, let's pray. Let's pray this week. Let's, let's pray for the individual requests that people share. Specific, detailed, individual requests. Let's labor in prayer for those. Let's pray for the church, the different ministries here, and for just a fresh outpouring of God's spirit upon us. Oh, I need this. You need this. Let's pray for this. And oh God, pour out your saving work upon the city of Abu Dhabi and upon the UAE, upon this region. Church, this week, let's pray. Everyone who asks, receives. Let's stand. Even our praying, Lord, depends upon the work of your spirit stirring us, giving us grace, giving us faith. So Lord, even right now we pray, pour out prayer upon us this week. Help us to pray. Teach us to pray. Meet us as we pray. So many different needs here, Lord. Help us to pray. And then Lord, rend the heavens and come down and make your name known. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.